0: Of the Lord this morning. How good is it to be in the new worship center? Woo! It's awesome. It's good to be in his house this morning. It's good to meditate on his word. It's good to be together and to praise his name. Thank you, Jesus, that you are here in this place. to the God who saves we sing to the God who always makes way cuz he hung up on that cross and he rose up from that grave my God still rolling so The house of the Lord, sing praise. Sing it out, Lord. We are the babes.
1: everybody. Hey. Welcome. Wow. Everybody's looking beautiful, looking amazing. We've got a, like a gap over here if you're looking for a spot. Um, anyway, great to have you all here today. Um, turn and give your neighbor a high five. Yeah. Both, both of them. Boom. <laughs> all right. Well, we are, we are in the new worship center. I don't know if you realized that when you came in, but here we are. Um, if you're unfamiliar with this building, we've got restrooms here um, in the back, right behind me. Um, we've got more restrooms up the stairs, handicapped restrooms downstairs, and then more restrooms up the stairs in the back. We've got water as well. Um, there's water f- drinking fountains right behind me here, and then coffee out the patio right there. So check that out. Um, we've also got some parking uh, available. I don't know if you have found a spot, but uh, check out the, uh, the Klondike's parking lot is available. Um, it is paid parking, but we can validate your tickets at the info center, so um, don't be shy about that. And then all the other spots around the village are also welcomed. Um, so, so glad you made it here. Uh, it's such an exciting day to be here. Such a long time coming. Um, We've been working on this space for a year, and it's just amazing to see it. So um, we're going to pray. Also, oh, sorry, if you've got fifth grade and up kids, they're going to meet up the stairs in the back here, uh, meet the teacher after uh, worship, and they'll walk them over to, uh, to their classes. So with that, let's pray, and we'll jump back into worship. Jesus, we love you so much. This whole space, this new building... Um, we just want to worship you, Jesus, because that's what this is all about. It's all about making room for more people to experience you, more people to come into a relationship with you. And uh, Jesus, we just want to do that. We just open ourselves up to you right now. And uh, we just pray that you would minister, that you would be with us, and uh, God, just be worshipped in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: You are faithful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your faithfulness, Lord God. Thank you for your power, Lord. We are so honored to be in your presence today, Lord. We bless you. We thank you for meeting us here, that we're two or three are gathered together in your name, that you are there in their midst, Lord God. So we celebrate you. We are thankful for you. We lift up your name, Jesus, and we celebrate and we worship you today, Lord. So thank you for this first Sunday in this new worship center, God. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. God, you've been faithful all through the process. And, Lord, we know that you will be faithful moving forward. So we we bless you, Lord. We thank you for blessing us, Lord. And uh, we just, God, just want to give you praise and say thank you, Lord God. Lord, um, use this place your kingdom work in this community, Lord God, that we might be salt and light, Lord, to more and more people, that we might see people saved and delivered, filled with the Holy Spirit, transformed in Jesus' name, Lord. Give a new life and new purpose in Jesus' name. So, Lord God, do something wonderful and supernatural, something beyond our expectations, we pray. We invite you, Lord. We say, yes, Lord. Lord, we're committed to saying yes to you, yes to your plans, and yes to your purposes. We bless you, Lord. We love you. We're all in. And we're so grateful that you indeed are all in with us. We love you because you first loved us. So we bless you, Lord. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Turn and greet your neighbor. We'll come right back. Well, I tell you, I feel like a little kid on the first day of school. I, uh, I didn't quite give myself permission first service to like be too excited because there's just like so many things that are happening all at once. And uh, so as I'm worshiping, I'm like, Lord, I feel like, it almost feels like the first day that we planted our church in, back in 2003 where you're like, is anybody going to show up? Is everything going to go well? <laughs> like what's going to happen, you know? And because uh, it's been a long, long time, uh, April 9th, 2021 is when I first took a picture of the four lease sign that was on the outside of this building. And going back 10 years ago, we tried to get this space 10 years ago, and um, the timing was just not right. And so when I called John Hayashi, who owns the building, on April 9th, 2021, I said, "Hey, John, we're interested in your space." He said, "I'll meet you down there in like 15 minutes." So we met down here, and on a handshake, it was ours. And we did, you know, the whole, you know, agreements and rental agreements and lease agreements and that sort of thing. But um, it was uh, just so cool. So r- roughly like 59 weeks later, here we are. <laughs> so it's been a lot, a lot of work. And so what I'd like to do is just kind of take you through some slides to show you. I'll stand over here. And uh, just show you, this is kind of, hopefully I'm not blocking. Um, You're fine. Okay, good. So (laughs) how's that? Is that better? (laughs) Okay, good. So this is, when the building, before we got it, it was a um, uh, antique store. And before that, it was a clothing store called The Wardrobe. Many many of us remember that. And so they had uh, these posts were all built out with these these boxes for, you know, putting shirts and clothes and that sort of thing for merchandising things. And so we got to get rid of all of those things. Let's go to the next slide there. And then we got to get rid of the drop ceiling. So the drop ceiling was a huge project because at first sight it looked like, oh, it's just some panels and some, you know, T-bar. But there were like three panels deep of, you know, just the the, the ceiling tiles. And so we took out truckloads and truckloads. There's piles of insulation on top of the the, the ceiling tiles and the T-bar, and so it was a huge, huge undertaking, and uh, there's Dave Bedford, the rock star of the show. Um, I'll talk more about Dave in just a moment, but he was here all the time, and th- this picture represents the prayer nights that we had here in this space where we just decided to pray and give this space to the Lord and just really honor Him, and so you can see on the back in the back there, there's pictures of people's names that are on uh, that sound booth wall there. So uh, over the course of the year, we just re- recorded people's names that we're praying for. We want this person to get saved, this person to get healed, whatever it was. And then throughout the space, we wrote Bible verses on the concrete floor before the floors went in, on the framing, and all, all around. So Bible verses and promises of God. So this is kind of what it looks like before as the, as the place is kind of beginning to take shape and uh, so just as you can see it was just a ton of fun so keep going there and uh, so this is the nursery so uh, the nursery required quite a bit of work and so um, this is the kids space in the back so if you haven't seen that yet go check it out Um, it's really been transformed Um, here's the the courtyard and so beginning next week let's leave that up for a minute beginning next week we're gonna have like an 80 inch tv out in the courtyard so if you're drinking coffee, sitting out on the tables or benches out there, you can enjoy it out there. But that, you know, we had to completely renovate this whole space, scrape stucco, re clean just everything up, and uh, so that was a labor of love to say the least. Next, hey, there's my son and my wife. They're planting trees, uh, just those, you know, putting those trees out front just to soften the front. Next, hey, there's our friend Jim. Jim uh, helped Aaron with pulling. Thousands of feet of cable to make all of this work, you know. So Jim was here. He built uh, built out the tech room in the back with desks and all that sort of stuff. Jim Jim was here with Stephanie like every Friday, Saturday for months and months and months, volunteering their time to get so much of the infrastructure, the, the electrical infrastructure, and just donated hundreds and hundreds of hours to get this project done. Perry, too, has been here nonstop and uh, doing all kinds of electrical stuff as well, just doing whatever we needed him to do. We'd call him up, hey, Perry, can you show up today? He's like, I can show up. And he'd be here and just taking care of stuff. Noah has been just constantly around here as well doing all kinds of cleanup, and there's been a ton of cleanup that is needed to happen. And so thanks, Noah, for that. Next slide there. Yeah, this is the floors going in, so obviously a lot of space here, so a lot of uh, laminate flooring went in, and so it's just beginning to take shape, the paint's in, the floors are going down, it's starting to feel like a a building, but we're still months away, like we're still months away from being able to move in, so let's keep going. Is that the last of it? Okay, good, good, good. So what I'd like to do, we could have shown you like a thousand pictures, but you kind of get the point, right? You kind of get the point. So what I'd like to do is just honor by name those people who have donated their, Time and treasure and talent to get this thing done. And so I'm going to start with where it all begins with our elders. I'd like to honor uh, Jim and Gary and Neil and Ron because when we propose projects like this, it's a big project. We have to have the buy in and the agreement with the elders. And I just want to honor our elders today, the guys that serve, and they've been serving with me for a long time. They are men of faith men of character, men of prayer, and they are so ready to do what God has called us to do. And they just go for it with gusto because they believe in God's big plan for Harvest Church and for the gospel that he wants us to communicate. Uh, So I want to thank my elders. I want to thank John Hayashi. I texted John yesterday. He owns the building. I said, hey, John, I've been giving him updates. You know, I said, hey, John, Tomorrow we're having our first service in the new space. I just want to say thank you so much for taking a chance on us and with us. His brother Howard is my doctor, one of my doctors and I would have been to see Howard recently and so I just say, "Hey John, your family, the Hayashi clan has been such a blessing to our community and I just want to say thank you." And so this big long text and John's such a man of few words. All he responded was So, like, I'll text him all this stuff, and he'll say thanks or great. (laughs) And uh, but John's been awesome. I want to thank the Pacific Justice Institute. Initially, when we wanted to make this building a church, the city said, "I don't think we want a church in the village downtown core." I said, "Is that is that legal?" And Patrick said, "I think so." I said, (laughs) "I said I've got a letter from the Pacific Justice Institute." saying that it's actually not legal to keep us out of the village downtown core. He said, "Really?" He said, "Send it over to me and I'll run it by our city attorney and just see what he says." Well, within a day or so, he emails me back and says, "Hey, congratulations. Let's move forward. We can't keep you out and we want to <laughs> bless you as you move forward." So, it was like the Lord just changed their hearts as the I mean, because we never wanted to be like hard charging. We just want to do what we do with grace and with tenderness and and with just faith that God's opening doors. And we never want to kick a door down, so I just want to thank the Pacific Justice Institute. Uh, for what they did, and you saw the picture of Dave Bedford. Dave has been a part for 19 years of projects around here. <laughs> we've been—we started at Lopez High School on the Mesa. We were there for a couple of years, and we've been in this space next door for 17 years, buying space and renovating space all along. And so when I talked to Dave about this space, he's like, "I'm in," you know, "I'm your guy." And so he's been here tirelessly to get the job done. And so I'm so thankful for Dave Bedford, uh, Steve and Julie Schumann from Slowco Data. Man, they print—they print up all of our printables, everything that's in print is printed by those guys free of charge. They don't charge us a thing. So God bless Steve and Julie Schumann of Slow Code Data. Aaron Luters, who's been a part of every project, I think, for the last like 17 years, has been just a, a blessing to us installing all of, the, all of the sound, audio, video stuff. He's, he's one that's been behind all of that um, Rich Brown, one of our plumbers. We've had a few plumbers in here, but Rich has done so much of the finished stuff and so much of the uh, infrastructure stuff regarding plumbing. Um, my brother Larry and uh, another guy, Alex, both in charge of painting. So, everything that's been painted, those guys did that painting. And so, we're blessed to have people like that at our disposal. Sammy Cuevas, the drywall guy. We didn't originally plan to take out all the drywall, but the drywall was in such bad shape that Sammy said, Hey, Let's just pull it all off because I could float it all, but it's going to take me twice as much time. And let's just tear it off and start over. So that's what he did. And so uh, Pete Kersey, he did all the stucco repair around the building. Steve Mongello did all of the heating and air conditioning. It takes so many people to get a project like this across the finish line. So, Steve Mongello, been a friend of mine since high school. He's done all of our HVAC stuff throughout all of the buildings, and he um, just did a wonderful job. Uh, Doug Wilson did the check valve and the trenching for all the to get water to the building so that we could power these fi- uh, fire sprinklers. And so um, Dave's been or Doug's been busy with that. Paradise Plumbing, uh, Travis White was also involved in the process. We had a bad sewer line here that he discovered because before we got here, he said I was always here because they always had backed up toilets. So we said, let me scope the line to tell you if the line's in good shape. So he scopes the line, and the the sewer line was completely gone. I mean, the, the bottom of it was complete, so all that sewer was running in, so we had to cut an 80-foot trench, replace the sewer line, and so Travis was all part of that. We had electrical engineers. We had architects, obviously. I'd like to thank my friend, Pastor Mike Sparrow, because Mike's been a friend of mine for decades, but we were right at a crossroads in need of an architect, and Mike just happened to be walking through the community of the, our, pro- our property recently, um, back going back about a year and he had an architect with him, and I said, we actually need an architect, and and so we were blessed with that introduction that Wayne Stewart worked with us, MW, Mike Peachy, and Wayne Stewart, um, who own MW Architecture, gave us a tremendous discount on the work that was done here, and our project manager, Derek Carter, has been just priceless for us. He's been on the, he's, I called, I texted him last time, Derek, we're going to have our first service. He's like, I got COVID, I can't go. (laughs) So pray for Derek, but uh, so many, so many amazing people. Chris Outland with the floors of wood, Herb with Calco's flooring, did the carpet, the sign shop guys did all of the signs, the printed signs that are in here. Um, uh, Ronnie and Janet Soares, Janet told me this morning, she said, this is a, this is the third building I've been in with you because she was in the beginning with us at Lopez High School, and then over here and now here. So Ronnie and Janet uh, did the, the, the new uh, fence and wrought iron stuff out there. They've been so amazing. Chase with Alpha, the whole team. We, we have so many electricians to thank because this project required so many electricians just to get it across the finish line. So Alpha, they were great. They came in exactly when we needed them to come in to get us across the line. Corey Stolmeyer with all the lights he consulted us with about all the lights and everything that are in here. So thank you, Corey, Larry, and Carrie. uh, D, I don't have my glasses on. LD termites. Anyway, (laughs) we had some termite issues. I should wear my glasses once in a while, but I just don't like those things. So anyway, LD termites. Uh, We had the windows tinted. Uh, Jim Schmidt was our tech assistant and built out the tech desk. Steve Henry built the wheelchair. He didn't build it the lift, but he assembled the wheelchair lift. So you look at that thing, it looks pretty straightforward. It's not straightforward. It took weeks to get that thing assembled. And then we had the painter come in and paint, paint it because it was all white like the back of it was. So anyway, thank you, Stephen. Um, an amazing, just, he's an amazing man. So Luke and Aaron with Frank's lock and key. They have been so good, they've been such good friends to us over the years. They take such good care of us with this building and every building that we've ever had. Aaron and Luke have been amazing. I want to say thanks to Patrick Kolob, who is our planner, our assistant planner on this project. He, he just did an amazing job. I actually emailed the, the, the mayor, Karen Ray Rossum, and says, hey, I just want to say thank you for your team. Uh, Karen and I go back to high school. We've known each other for a long time. I said, man, your, your team just did a, a great job, including Bill Robeson. And And so they did a wonderful job walking us through the uh, process. I'd like to thank our CBO and building inspector, Mark Myers, and his wife, Nancy, and their team. They've been so good to us, the inspectors. I mean, they've done their job, but they've been so gracious and kind to us. And so uh, now volunteers. Again, Jim Owen. You saw Jim in the picture. Jim volunteered with Craig and Stephanie, his kids, his kids countless hours of electrical work in this place. Matt Lisp at the, built the cabinet over at the InfoCenter. Lynn Colette, who built the cross at the chapel in our old space, he also built the cross here. And it's just interesting how the Lord brought him by just at the right time. It's actually at the entrance when you come in. Um, now, since then, they've moved. I, I think they have moved. Now they're gone, so God brought him just for a moment so we could have him build the cross. Um Perry Lupin and his friend Chris, again, tons and tons of electrical work. Corey Joseph, my brother, and his girlfriend, AT, they did tons. They rescued us in a moment when we needed some expertise with our panel back there. They came in and replaced the panel and just did uh, amazing work for us, would not charge us. Uh, Chris Lacey, again, more electrical work. Sean Diebel and Noah Clark did tons and tons of cleanup. Seth McMillan did the courtyard design and the install. Maggie Sutherland was in charge of the design elements throughout upstairs and downstairs. Just did an incredible job. Mark Townsend, uh, professional camera operator, worked with us to get cameras set up and ready to go. Uh, Jerry Shaw, design drawings. Dan Hennessy, graphic design. Uh, Mike Ferris, he's been working tirelessly to get these windows cleaned up. And uh, so Mike's a teacher, but he used to have a window cleaning business. Well, we couldn't get anybody to come out and clean windows. We called and people wouldn't return the call. So I said, call Mike Ferris. So Mike came out on his own time and, dime and, and got our windows cleaned and uh, did a great job. Steve Rice, what can I say about Steve Rice? He is always here. <laughs> He's always, always here working behind the scenes. He's in the booth right now, working behind the scenes to make sure everything is working. And so I love that guy. Shannon Kessler with Century 21 got us connected with Jack Hardy who gave us permission to use the Century 21 parking lot over there. As Curtis mentioned, you can park over there. We'll validate your parking so when you leave you don't have to pay. That is a gift to us from Century 21. And now the new owner of Century 21 has agreed to the terms and is happy to help us. And so uh, God bless those guys. Thank you, Shannon Kessler, for all of your hard work making that happen. Anderson Burton, the construction company behind us, same deal. They gave us a parking agreement, and they've been so, so gracious with us, So we're so thankful. Um, Workday volunteers, we've had many workdays. There's too many volunteers to mention. I would miss people, and I, so I'll just say thank you to everyone who came out on workdays days to get this place squared away and cleaned up and ready to go. Thank you to the people who prayed. We showed pictures of prayer meetings that happened in here. People prayed and people believed God for what he might want to do in this space. And it was the prayers of God's people and the grace of God that got us across the finish line so that we could sit here today and have church. So thanks to you who prayed, to those who gave financial gifts to make this happen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Also, I don't want to forget my staff. We've got such an amazing staff team. When I say staff, I mean paid staff, people who work here. Pretty much all these people work full-time. They are all, like my elders, like the elders. I say mine because I just feel such ownership around them, but uh, like the elders, the, these guys and gals are so filled with faith and excitement about what God wants to do. They're willing to jump in and go the extra mile. Tim Motter was here till like 10 o'clock last night, just putting the finishing touches on everything, working seven, eight hours on Saturday, the day is his day off. And so it's just to speak generally, the team has been working so hard. <laughs> What's going on, you guys? So Tim... Tim Motter, Curtis Henry, Jeremy Sutherland Amanda Henry, Jolene Henry, Carson, uh, Lacey, Julie, uh, Spiller, Leslie, and Ron. So thank you guys for being the team that you are. Um, Doing this 19 years, I'm so blessed to have the team that I have, staff and elders and volunteers. You guys, we did this together by God's grace. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right, let's get into James chapter 1. But before we do, let's go and stand up. I just feel like it's time to pray again. Lord, it's good to pray. (laughs) It's really good to pray. So we we praise you, Lord God, and we say thank you, Lord. Thank you for every person. And for those that we may have missed, ah, we're so thankful. And Lord, forgive me for missing somebody if we did, Lord. Lord, thank you for who you've brought together and how you've knit us together for common purpose and common goals, Lord God. And I pray that uh, you would continue to do that. You would knit our hearts together, that you would keep us unified and strong in Jesus' name powerfully declaring and proclaiming the gospel that people might be saved and sanctified and filled with the Holy Spirit and live new lives in you, being born again and set free in Jesus' name. So do what you want to do through us and with us, Lord God. We are yours and we are in your hands and we are your conduit. So work through us and, and minister through us, we pray. Lord, thank you for your grace. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. We're gonna be in James chapter one, verses one. Through 18, I'm all pretty amped up here, so I'll try to slow down here. Hey, the title of the message: "Faith that is tested is faith that endures." And so we're going to be talking about testing the testing of our faith today. And I love that James, the half brother of the Lord Jesus Christ, writes this epistle because he communicates something of power and something of clarity to a people who need power and clarity in their season of life. So James, the half-brother, same mother, different father. Jesus had half-siblings, same mom, obviously, (laughs) different father. Um, So James writes this text for us as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're gonna unpack his story a little bit as we talk about this person, James, who God used to pen these words in the book of James. It's encouraging for us to know his backstory a little bit because in knowing his backstory, we realize that God worked wonderfully and supernaturally in his life to give him a kingdom gospel story. He took what was broken in James' life What was faithless in James' life when he did something wonderful and supernatural to bring about eternal kingdom fruit that no one could ever have expected. James 1, 1 through 18, verse 1, the first part of verse 1 says this letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. So James, the half-brother of Jesus, could have said James, the half-brother of Jesus James, it's the half-brother of Jesus speaking, but he says, no, I'm a doulos. We talked about doulos last week. A, a doulos is a servant, a slave, a bond servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I love a friend of mine pointed out uh, earlier or last week, she said, she said what's beauty, beautiful about that term doulos and that term servant or slave is that these people who are the bondservants, the doulos of the Lord Jesus Christ, are serving at a free choice. So the backstory is that if a slave was released from his duties but wanted to stay serving in the household of his master, he would, be, he would get his ear pierced and he would have a ring put in his ear and it indicated that he was a bondservant by choice because his master was so, so good. And that's really our story, right? We, we are uh, choosing by God's grace because our master is so, so good. We are choosing to be bond servants, slaves of the Most High God. And so this is James. He is a bond servant, a slave of God, choosing to serve the Lord Jesus Christ because his master is so good. So a half-brother. They have the same mother but different fathers. This is the same James that Jesus intentionally revealed himself two after his resurrection. So Jesus resurrects and he goes after and finds his brother James to reveal himself so that he might know, so that James might know that what has been said about his brother is true. Paul writes about it in 1 Corinthians fifteen seven. It says, then he, Jesus, was seen by James and later by all the apostles. So after his resurrection, he was seen by James and later by all of the apostles. Many believe that it was in this moment that James gave his life to the Lord and believed that Jesus indeed was the Messiah. Imagine growing up and your older brothers, you're being told that your older brother is the Messiah, right? <laughs> oh yeah, your older brother, he's the Messiah. You're like, not in this life, (laughs) like never, I can't believe it, and I've watched this guy grow up, you know, And, and so James is having a hard time coming with, to grips with the reality that his brother is indeed the Messiah, until, until the resurrection, he watches his brother be crucified, and then buried, and then resurrected from the dead, so many believe that it's at this moment that James became a believer, until his resurrection, Jesus' brothers did not believe He was the Messiah. I I, I love that Jesus seeks out his brother, because I feel like he seeks everyone out individually. He goes after us out of his great love for us and of his great commitment to us. He seeks us out, revealing himself in wonderful and powerful ways so that we might believe. He did the same thing then, and he's doing it now. He seeks us out by his grace, and because of his abundant love, his unconditional love, he seeks us out in our brokenness so that we might know his grace. His kindness, his love, and his compassion. So again, even uh, Jesus' brothers struggled with believing. In John seven five in the New Living Translation, it says even Jesus' brothers did not believe in him. And in Mark chapter three, Jesus' family didn't know. Jesus' family didn't know what to think about him. In Mark three twelve, the second part there, it says. He's out of his mind, they said. (laughs) He's out of his mind. Maybe somebody has said that about you, and and you can identify right now. So Jesus' family didn't believe him. For the most part, they thought he was just a bit off and a little bit out of his mind. So James, the half-brother of Jesus, one who maybe, like a lot of us, struggled to believe that Jesus is who he claims to be, one who after experiencing the resurrected Christ, he chose to believe. And we all have that opportunity before us. Will we choose to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior of the world? Will we choose, by God's grace, to be followers and disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ? James, one who, after experiencing the resurrected Christ, chose to believe. He, James, chose to believe what what I believe the Holy Spirit of God was trying to convince him of all along. Maybe you're in a journey of your life where you feel like God's been trying to get your attention. Like the Spirit of God has been trying to reveal the power of God and the grace of God to you, but you've been struggling to believe it and to receive it. The Holy Spirit's always working in our hearts and lives to draw us to the Savior and to draw us into a deeper Uh, respect and admiration and adoration of the Lord that we might know him and follow him. So I'm convinced that the Holy Spirit of God was working in James to bring him to a place of brokenness and repentance, acknowledging that Jesus is indeed the Messiah. James became a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. James, along with the rest of his brothers, uh, the brothers of Jesus were with the apostles at Pentecost, according to Acts chapter one. So they're present, and they believe, and they're they're beginning to follow Jesus, according to Acts chapter fifteen. James became a major leader in the church in the church of Jerusalem. So we see James, who goes from a doubter, this place of doubting, unbelief, um, questioning, wondering about this Jesus. Is he the Messiah? He goes from this place of doubting into a place of believing, into a place of influence, into a place of kingdom fruitfulness that is eternal. That's the beauty of what God will do in our lives if we just say yes to him and submit to him and allow him to work through us and use us. He will do something radically to transform our lives. Often we, or sometimes we can minimize our Effectiveness as Christians because of of our past, but if we look throughout the Scripture, everyone that God got a hold of had a past, and then everyone that God got a hold of had the opportunity to be used powerfully by God and was used powerfully as as the Lord directed. So, if you've got a past today, I've got a past today. Anybody else got a past? (laughs) Thank God for our past because we can learn from it. But let's never let our past hold us back. But let's say thank you, Lord, for our past. Thank you that you've cleansed me, forgiven me, that you've set me free, and you've set me on a brand new path in Jesus' name so that I can believe, be all in, and be a kingdom uh, soul winner for you, Lord Jesus. So James goes from a doubter to just a great man of prayer. It said that James prayed so much that they called him camel knees. Camel knees, because his knees were worn out from prayer. Because he prayed so much, one of his nicknames was James the Just. According to anybody who knew him, he was the most righteous man who ever lived. He was a man of integrity, a man of intense discipline. He loved Jesus, loved the gospel, loved what God had done in his life and was all in. Camel knees, James the Just. Again, as far as people were concerned, no one was as righteous as James. And so we see his backstory. And I love that these men and women of God have a backstory because as we sit here today, again, we all have a backstory. But God is able to, in spite of our backstory, and because of our backstory, use us and work through us wonderfully and supernaturally. So James, according to historians, was martyred in the year A.D. 62. He was taken to the Temple Mount, the top of the Temple Mount, the pinnacle of the Temple Mount there, or the pinnacle of the Temple, which is about a three-story building. And the Pharisees were so angry with his message and his conviction and his commitment to Jesus that they said, we will throw you off this three-story building if you don't recant your faith. If you do not deny Jesus, we will throw you off from the pinnacle of the Temple. This is the same place, by the way, that the devil took Jesus to tempt him. Took him to the same place, and so it's the same place that James has an opportunity to stand firm in Jesus. Come life or death, he was going to stand firm. And so they threw him off. <laughs> they threw him off, but he didn't kill him. <laughs> Listen, God's not going to allow you to expire until He's done with you. So he gets down, he gets up, he begins to begin to intercede and pray for his. Is the people that had thrown him off, those people who were persecuting him, begins to pray. And they're so distraught, they go down there and they finish him off by stoning him to death. But all the while, James is faithful. He is faithful. He was, as verse 1 tells us, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. What else does James 1-1 tell us? says, I'm writing to the 12 tribes. Jewish believers scattered abroad. Greetings. He's writing to the church. It's not just to Jewish believers, but he's writing to Gentile believers as well. He is speaking to the family of God. Just because you're born Jewish doesn't actually make you Jewish spiritually. We'll see that in the Scripture you can be born a Gentile, but be, then be grafted into the family of God because of his grace and because of his mercy. And so if you're a Gentile, a believing Gentile today, meaning you're not a Jew, but you believe in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, that Jesus is your Savior, you've been both adopted into the family of God and then grafted into the family of God. Let's take a look at some verses here in Romans eleven seventeen. It says this, but some of these branches from Abraham's tree, some of the people of Israel have been broken off. Why? Because they're unbelieving. They've been broken off and you Gentiles who were branches from a wild olive tree have been grafted in. So now you also receive the blessing God has promised Abraham and his children sharing in the rich nourishment from the root of God's special olive tree. Isn't that neat? So at one point we are outside of the family of God When we chose to believe and receive the grace and mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ, he's adopted us in and he's grafted us in. I don't know if you've ever tried to graft two fruit trees together where you're trying to get multiple fruit off the same tree. You can successfully cut off one branch and and graft it into the next one so you begin to grow fruit of a different kind in that tree. This is essentially what God has done. He's grafted us into his family tree. Romans 2, 28 and 29 says this, For you are not a true Jew just because you were born of Jewish parents or because you have gone through the ceremony of circumcision. No, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God. So this is is what God is examining in our lives. He's examining our hearts. You say, well, my parents are Christians, and so I'm a Christian. Or my grandparents are Christians, so I'm a Christian. It's in my heritage, so of course... I'm a Christian. I was talking to one of my doctors recently. It's a, uh, a, a guy that I just met. Um, and uh, at the end of the consultation, I just felt compelled. I said, hey, do you know Jesus? Are you are you a believer? <laughs> and he laughs. He's like, of course I know Jesus. And he's laughing at me, you know. And uh, he said, well, it's kind of a convoluted story. I've got a you know Catholic background and blah, blah, blah. So, there was more, there's more to this story. And I said, I don't know why. I just felt compelled to ask you that question. He said, that's ah, your job. He knew I was a pastor, apparently. And uh, he's like, I get to ask you if you're a smoker. You get to ask me if you know Jesus. <laughs> I'm like, hey, good. I've got permission. I'm moving forward with that. So anyway, so we have to decide on our own, doesn't matter what our background is, if we haven't made a personal decision for Jesus then we're not in his family. And so you and me, our kids and our grandkids and our nieces and our nephews need to know Jesus. And so take the opportunity. It's apparently your job, right? You're a Christian, so you're supposed to be telling people about Jesus and then leading people into a place of salvation. No, a true Jew, verse 29 says, is one whose heart is right with God. And true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law, rather It's a change of heart produced by the Spirit. And a person with a changed heart seeks praise or receives praise from God and not from people. So there's a heart transformation that God wants to accomplish in our lives. And I've seen firsthand in too many people heart transformations where God just works powerfully and wonderfully and supernaturally so when people are yielded. When people are yielded, God just works in and through their lives, in spite of their past, in spite of their mistakes. God is faithful. All right, let's continue. James one, verse two, dear brothers and sisters, when trouble of any kind comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Isn't that your first response when trouble comes? Woo! Thank you, Lord. Right? That's like the first thing. That just naturally flows out of our mouth. That's not actually what naturally flows. Out of our mouth, right? In Romans 5.3, Paul says, We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials. Why? For we know that they help us develop endurance. Faith that is trusted is faith that endures. Number one in your notes, your faith must be tested if your faith is to endure. So the testing of your faith is actually part of the process that builds within us the endurance that we need to face life, to face the next test, to, to build us up in our most holy faith. I like saying it's like building rebar into the foundation of our faith. The tests that we endure and go through build us up. Caused us to be strong in Jesus so that we might endure what God has asked us to endure on Wednesday morning this past week. my son Curtis and my son in law Logan we all went on this backpacking trip the three of us and it 's about seven miles in and we have been on this backpacking trip before, so we knew we could do it, but it was so hot that day we 'd never hiked that that trail when it 's been like the mid '80s and so you know, it's super hot, dry wind, and so you're just, you're just winded the whole time. First mile, we're like, oh, that was easy, you know. And then you get into the second mile where you're really beginning to climb and you're feeling the heat. And, man, it was a test of our endurance. Would we really make it? Like many of us have been through spiritual tests before and we know we can make it. But it seems like with every test, with every new test, there's just a slightly different Element Like that throws a curveball into the scenario, like i 've been through this before, kind of, but not exactly like this, so it causes us to dig deeper by god 's grace, to find the strength and the, the the wisdom and the energy to do, and to succeed in this test, to get past the test so anyway we we were really, really struggling i I, I was you know i 'm the old guy out there, so i 'm struggling more than anybody and uh But I knew that I wasn't going to be the guy to throw in the towel. Because there's like six or seven campsites before we get to the narrows where we were headed seven miles in. So we could have stopped at a mile or two or three or four. But there was no way that we were stopping. And I think that's the beauty of the fellowship of the church. We spur each other on. Like, I'm not quitting because I know others are counting on me. Please don't quit because there's people around you who are counting on you. Don't be the person who throws in the towel because God will give you the grace to accomplish what you need to accomplish to get through to the place that you need to get through to. So we're on this trail, and... Seriously, we're sucking down so much water. We gotta stop like every five minutes just to take a breath and get our legs back under us because it's just a climb all the way. It's a climb. It's actually uphill both ways. It's kind of a weird deal, but <laughs> it's not really. <laughs> it makes the story better anyway. So it's not. It's not. But but on the way to the trail, on the way to the in, into the campsite, it's so so much worked. and and so we just had to decide that we weren't going to give up. You know, there's so many parallels in life, in, you know, the work that we do, the hobbies that we have, the relationships that we have. There's so many parallels that can help us to understand spiritual truth. If we'll just listen and pay attention. So there's so many parallels. You know, you're hiking, you got 35 pounds on your back, and you, you know, you can hike so much easier without 35 pounds on your back. There's so many things. The backpack can represent sin or, you know, different things. We just need to be aware that in the test, whatever it is in life, God is building something of endurance in our lives so that the next test will have endurance for this for that um, for the next test. So our faith wasn't tested in this scenario, but our stamina certainly was. everybody gets tested in many ways, but people who put their faith in Jesus will certainly certainly experience victory. so My challenge to us when we're facing tests, let's get our eyes on Jesus. Often we're focused on the task, the test, the difficulty. But if we'll just shift and say, God, I know that you're going to get me through this. By your grace, I'm going to develop something of endurance, endurance that I've never had before in preparation for the next test or for the next thing that you ask me to do. So, Lord, build within me whatever is needed so that I might have endurance. James 1.3 tells us, For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Back to James, he had his faith tested when he was told to recant or die. His faith was a life and death decision for him. I'm convinced that along the way, in preparation for that faith test, there were many faith tests that built his endurance, so that when it was a life and death scenario, he could say, by God's grace, and in his strength, I'm going to stand firm, and I will never recant my faith in Jesus Christ. So there was something of preparation. We don't know what the future holds, but we know that there's preparation in our lives, building endurance in our lives, so that we might stand firm until death in Jesus' name. Verse 4, James 1, so let it grow, endurance, let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Isn't that the goal? Perfect, complete, needing nothing. Jesus told us that is the goal, Matthew 5, 48. But you are to be perfect, Jesus said, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. So this is what God is trying to develop within our lives, perfection. That word means mature. It means to be finished. It means to be Complete. God is working in our lives so that we might experience perfection in Christ as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we might be mature and finished and complete. We'll never be perfect in our own works or our own righteousness. That's why Jesus went to the cross. But there is a standard. And I think it's important for us to understand that there is a standard in Jesus. Sometimes we get a little loose with the grace of God and the unconditional love of God, and we kind of get loose with our living, but this is the standard. James tells us, and Jesus tells us, but you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect, perfect, mature, finished, complete in Jesus' name. So verse 4 describes the result of the testing, that, that we would be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So this is the result of what will happen when we allow endurance to grow in our lives, and we decide to stand firm and decide to follow Jesus, verse 5 gives us the steps to get through the testing so that we may become perfect and complete, needing nothing. So verse 5 helps us to understand how do we accomplish this. Faith that is tested is faith that endures. Number one, your faith must be tested if your faith is to endure. And number two, your faith will be tested, but God will give you what you need. And we're encouraged in verse 5, James 1, if you need wisdom, if you need it, and you, you will need it. <laughs> I need it. We all need it every day with every test, with every circumstance and scenario. We need the wisdom of God. So James tells us, I'm sure out of the unction, uh, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, but also just out of his own experience, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God. I love that he throws that in there, that God is generous. Sometimes we see God as heavy-handed and angry or whatever. James is saying, ask your generous God, and he will give it to you, and he will not rebuke you for asking. He won't say, you keep asking for wisdom. Can't you just get it through your head? He's not going to say that. He's like, oh, you need wisdom? Let me help you with that. Right? He's just going to bless us with what is needed. He's a good, good father. But when you ask him, you're asking for wisdom. There's criteria here, but when you ask him, be sure That your faith is in God alone. Like, God is your plan A, and there is no plan B. Like, Lord, I'm fully needing your wisdom, and I'm not looking to the wisdom of the world or to the wisdom of my friends. I'm looking to the wisdom of your word through your spirit that you would speak to me, guide, lead, and direct me. And that is my plan. And so, Lord, if you don't speak, I'm not moving. I don't have a plan B, so you got to just speak. We need to be completely devoted to him. And when you ask, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. So maybe you're feeling unsettled today. It may be because you're divided in your loyalty. And so we always need to be checking in with ourselves. Am I fully committed to you, Jesus? Or am I Committed to you in this area, but not to you in this other area. I'm counting on your wisdom for this, but I got it figured out over here. Listen, we come to Christ by faith because we need his wisdom. But way before that, we need salvation. We need his grace. We need his kindness because we have botched our lives apart from him. And when we come to faith in him, come to him by faith, he, he rebuilds, restores, heals sanctifies, delivers, fills. He's about doing wonderful and supernatural things in our lives, but we have to be careful for a person with divided loyalty. It's like that person who's just lukewarm. Like I'm not quite all in. I'm kind of in, but I'm not quite sure. Lukewarm, unsettled, divided loyalties. That person is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. You know what happens when you're fully committed to Christ? You know what happens? Peace. You're settled in Jesus because you know that Jesus is the Lord of your life. And you're committed to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. No matter what test or temptation comes, you're settled. And if there's a stumbling in the journey, you're quick to say, Lord, that's not my life. I do not want to do that. I'm repenting, and I'm getting right in alignment with you. There's just something of confidence, a Holy Spirit given, breathed confidence. Not arrogance, because God opposes the proud, but it is a confidence, as I'm a follower of Jesus. And so, Jesus is the Lord of my life, in every arena, every season, I'm going to trust him, and follow him, and believe him. There's just a peace, and a confidence, and a, and a, a reassurance that comes when we make Jesus the Lord of our lives. So, don't waver and quit wavering for a person with divided loyalties is, is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind such people get this such people should not expect to receive anything from the lord <sighs> wow like he's like he's challenging us do you really want my wisdom or you just want a quick fix do you really want what i have to say or are you just trying to find the easy way or do you have a plan B that you're going to be kind of comparing? A, well, God says this, but I've got to think this. Or God says this, but, you know, so-and-so says this. God says this, the world says this. What is your plan? Plan A, God. No plan B, no plan C, nothing else. God is your priority. Those people should expect to receive whatever they need from the Lord. But people who are double, double-minded, verse 8, their loyalty is divided between God and the world. And they are unstable in everything they do. You want stability in your life? Stability, like unshakable stability in your life. Just make Jesus the Lord of your life. Open up the word every day. Allow the spirit of God to fill you. The word of God to direct you. Be obedient. No plan B. My plan A, Jesus, is you. Everything else is submitted to that. I'm moving forward. You will find such stability in your life, such grace for your life, such peace in your life, such joy, such contentment, such godliness. I mean, there's just so much joy and wonder that comes out of that undivided loyalty to God. Faith that is tested is faith that endures. Your faith must be tested if your faith is to endure. Your faith will be tested, but God will give you what you need. Number three, as we get ready to wrap up, your faith tests will come in many forms, but God is the one who will reward your endurance. So beyond just the reward of peace and confidence in Jesus and, the, and assurance that God is with me and filling me and leading me and directing me and that he's my Lord, he's my king, he's my everything, in spite of, in, in addition to all of those blessings, there's rewards coming for those who Put their trust in the Lord. Verse nine: Believers who are poor have something to boast about, for God has honored them. Isn't that interesting? For believers who are poor, have something to boast about, for God has honored them. That's an interesting statement. Um, The word "poor" is tapinos in the Greek. It's it's a word that describes a a person's state. Uh, uh, It describes who the person is in their soul. It's, it's also described lowly. Poor is described or defined as lowly. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus uses that same word, tapinos, for himself. He describes himself in this way. In Matthew 11.29, in the King James Version, it says, Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly, tap." See, Jesus is describing himself as meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. In Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, in the New Living Translation, that same verse says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle as heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. So there's a blessing for those who are poor, Tap. Type, type, tap there, there's a, a poor in spirit that God blesses because it, it speaks of dependence on him, appreciation of him, a love for him. And Jesus says, come to me because I'm the same and I will lift your burdens. I will bless you. In Second Corinthians 7, 6, we see it again. It says, nevertheless, God, that comforteth those that are cast down, comforteth, us by the coming of Titus, tap, uh, tap, So he uses that word taponize, their comfort, to minister to the people of God. And so we see that there's a blessing for those who are lowly, who are poor in spirit. Verse 10 says, And those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. It's so backwards, right? From our thinking, we think if you're poor in spirit or poor financially, that, that you should be sad. And if you're rich, you should be happy, right? <laughs> but the gospel turns the world's philosophy on its head. And he says, those who are rich boast, should boast that God has humbled them. They will fade away like a little flower in the field. So the temporal nature of our riches and our wealth will fade. Verse 11 says, the hot sun rises and the grass withers. The little flower droops and falls and its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all of their wealth. Achievements, and he's talking about worldly achievements things that we've used our money to, uh, to, to enrich our lives and to, to bless our lives instead of for the kingdom. So, wealth can be a test and a temptation. The test this is the test around wealth will I trust God or will I trust my wealth? So, it comes back to being a double minded person are you single minded? that your trust is only in God doesn't matter how much wealth much or little that i have is my trust in god or is my 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 trust in my resource the temptation will i serve god or will, will i serve money the bible says you can't serve god and money. So the temptation is, what, what am I going to serve? What, are, what is going to be my priority? Am I going to protect my resource at all costs so that I have what I think I need for the future? Or is God on the throne of my life and I will do whatever he asks me to do with my resource? You can't serve God and money. So a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways because there's a mix-up in that person's life about who is on the throne of his life. Sometimes God Sometimes money, sometimes relationships, sometimes whatever, you fill in the blank. Sometimes something else is on the throne of my life, and it's causing me to be unstable in all areas of my life, and it's wreaking havoc in my life. And so we need to decide to be single-minded in our focus and our devotion, making Jesus the Lord and the king of our lives in every arena and scenario with everything in our lives. And God will bless that. Verse 12, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Where does that temptation come from, right? You're like, we're always tempted by something. This is where it comes from. Temptation comes. I love it when the Bible answers our questions for us. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. So you can't say, well, the devil made me do it, (laughs) because the devil, the world of flesh and the devil, is using the raw material that is in your life to entice you and to drag you away. So if you've got unresolved sin or unresolved issues or unresolved whatever in your life, the enemy is going to use that raw material to entice you and drag you away. So we have to be constantly doing business with the Lord, allowing him to Examine our hearts and take, and we need to take a personal spiritual inventory. Lord, what is going on? What keeps getting my attention? What keeps tempting me to look away or tempting me to go a different direction? It's coming from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. That's the process, right? We have to take captive every thought unto the obedience of Christ. We have to recognize what's going on, going on in our hearts, and we have to repent, hold short accounts. God, I'm struggling in this area. I need to bring it out into the light, confess it, get somebody around me who can help me walk with integrity in this area, and then you're not giving the enemy any raw material to work with. Because these desires, if we are not careful, these desires will give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to sin death. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. I know his his grace and his mercy are sufficient, so don't be misled. Verse 16 says, my dear brothers and sisters, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God, our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. So he's the same yesterday and today and forever. His ways are the same, yesterday, today, and forever. We get out of the testing. We get through the testing. We get out of the temptation the same way, by surrendering to him, not being double-minded, but saying, yes, Lord, I want purity. I want integrity. I want honesty in my life as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 18, he chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word, and we, out of all creation, became his prized possession." Good stuff. Worship team, come forward here. Wrapping up, faith that is tested is faith that endures. Your faith must be tested if your faith is to endure. So go through it. Allow God to strengthen you with endurance. Number two, your faith will be tested, but God will give you what you need, so just call out to the Lord. Number three, your faith test will come in many forms, but God is the one who will reward your endurance. And so with that, let's go ahead and stand up, and we're going to pray, and and, uh, we're going to worship some more. So, Lord, we stand up, we pray, and we thank you, Lord, for the message of truth spoken to us out of James chapter 1. We're grateful for what you will do as we unpack the rest of these five chapters, Lord. We, we, we commit to say yes and amen to whatever it is that you guide and direct us in, Lord, to say yes and amen to your plans and purposes, to, yes, to say yes and amen to your lordship and leadership in our lives. We want to be stable not tossed to and fro but stable in Jesus name so we trust you Lord we love you Lord thank you for giving us insight into how to endure testing and temptation we love you in Jesus name amen amen
0: with a thousand hallelujahs we magnify your name you will Song is forever. we we're gonna go out with a song of praise. If you feel comfortable, would you clap along with this? This is no performance, Lord. I pray it's worship. Jesus, for your presence. Thank you that we get to sing to you. We only want to sing to you. We thank you for this new worship center getting to be in your house this morning. in your name we pray.